This Augusta Golf Show podcast is brought to you by Audi Augusta, online at AudiAugusta.com. John Spitzer is the Senior Managing Director, Equipment Standards for the United States Golf Association. Earlier this week, USGA RNA made an announcement regarding distance in the game. It's a pleasure to welcome John Spitzer to the Augusta Golf Show for the very first time. How are you, John? I'm doing well, John. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for saying yes to this, especially on on, on kind of a short notice. I want to think about the people who listen to this program, the recreational golfer, the the, the golfer that doesn't hit at 340 or, or shoot 63. What does this announcement mean to them? Well, the announcement has two aspects to it, and I'm going to start with the second one. The second one is uh, we're looking into the possibility of whether or not a model local rule, which would be something that the a committee could decide uh, to implement or not, a model local rule for the golf club that might have a a shorter or a smaller CT, which is a measure of the flexibility of the face, and a smaller MOI, which is its you know the size of the sweet spot. So we're looking at whether a model local rule for for drivers that would have those properties uh, would help with distance. So from a recreational golfer standpoint, that has nothing to do with them. It won't affect them at all unless they're playing in some elite competition. Uh, so, but it really will not affect the everyday golfer who's just going out there and playing with their friends. The other uh, part of the notice is that uh, we're looking at having the test modernized for golf balls. One of the things that uh, that we found as we did our research was that when the overall distance standard was put in in 1976 uh, for how far a golf ball could go, it was based on the longest hitting players at that time. Uh, as we've gone through the years, we've updated the, the clubhead speed that we've tested at from 109 originally to 120 miles per hour back in, in 2004, and then we, as we look at it today, that's really not representative of, of the people who hit at 340 that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're swinging uh, golf clubs at 125 miles an hour plus. Uh, so when if we were to test golf balls, if we were to, to go on and make a proposal to do this and were to test golf balls at this higher speed, uh, we wouldn't anticipate changing the limit. So there would be a number of golf balls that would become non-conforming. So that could have some effect on recreational players, depending on the golf ball that you use. Not all golf balls would become non-conforming. There certainly are are some that would. There's a lot that wouldn't. And there's some that would have to have minor changes in order to be or remain conforming. When you say modern local rule, is that something, what's that terminology mean? Is that something that a club could make the decision on? Yeah, it's a model local rule, and and a club can can decide for their competition if it's just say that they're having their their club championship whether to put that in place, and it's very unusual for them to do that. So, as an example, um, there's a model local rule that exists right now that's called uh, you must use a ball that's on the conforming golf ball list, and so. Most of the the clubs don't say that. They can use any conforming ball. They assume they're all uh, 
conforming, mm-hmm. and they could say that we you do have to have it on the, the list of conforming golf balls or the list of conforming drivers. That's another model local rule for our club championship. But uh, most of the of the time, those are really limited to the PGA Tour and, and our kind of like national championships. We're talking with uh, John Spitzer from the United States Golf Association. So is this, again, for the, for the golfer that's listening, and, and we've gone kind of down this road before, with what you've announced now, John, is, are we in that window? Do you want to hear from us, or is this some sort of different announcement? No, I, I, we always want to hear from from all of the stakeholders, whether you're a manufacturer or you're a PGA Tour player, and especially the recreational golfer, because, you know, we all love this game, and, and we want to try to make sure that everybody has a has a fair shake when they get out there on the course and they're playing for a beer or a dollar or whatever it is. So we love to hear the feedback. It really does help inform our decisions, and we try as best as possible to, to make our our process as transparent as possible. Um, and if you don't want to answer a hypothetical, I understand, and, and I know how they can be uncomfortable. If we go down a certain path, John, are we going to get to a point? And the word that people use is bifurcation. And, and but for the golfer, does it mean that the professional may be using different clubs and different golf balls than we are using? It it, it could mean if if we were to go the route of of proposing that we adopt this MLR, it could mean that they would play a, a different driver. Uh, it may look the same, but not perform the same because it had a lower CT or a lower MOI. It, w- it would be different. But, the, you know, there's certain uh, types, times that that exists anyway. We certainly don't um, have all the players on the PGA Tour, on the LPGA, playing clubs that they get right off the rack. They have weights that are moved around, and sometimes they have lofts that no regular person would, would be able to hit. For instance, uh, there's players that play lofts as low as five and a half degrees. So it, it's it, it wouldn't be as unusual as you think it is because it almost exists already in many instances. What's the loft on your driver? Mine's ten and a half. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 for the you know for the for the jury, you're not hitting at three forty. No, I uh, not even close. Yeah. So uh, you you alluded to this, and I talk about recreational golfers, and, and this is not fair to lump them into recreational golfers, but you also alluded to the fact, you know, people may be listening thinking this only applies to the professional golfer, but this could apply to elite amateurs because I assume, again, hypothetically going down the road, if this comes to fruition, this would be something that would be part of a, of a U.S. amateur, I would presume. Yeah, that's right, and and I I don't know if it would be part of because since it's not a proposal that hasn't been discussed, but certainly um, in that level of competition, the model local rule for clubs could be uh, adopted, and if you're an elite amateur, um, then you may have to play if it is adopted with one of the clubs that meet those specifications. Now the ball thing would would 
like I said, would go throughout uh, the golfing world, and it would apply to, across the board. But like I said before, there are balls that won't have to change at all. There are balls that only have to change a little bit, and, and some will have to change a more significant amount. But there's one other thing that's important to mention um, when we look at how things get reflected or, or how they percolate through the recreational game. Mm-hmm. In, in conjunction with this change to the ball test, we're also uh, looking at getting rid of the uh, one of the other ball standards that we have, and that's the initial velocity standard. And what we found is that the initial velocity standard doesn't really provide a governor to the to the balls that are used in, on the tour and the and the multi-layered balls that are really really pretty firm, pretty hard. What it does is it provides a governor for the balls that are very soft that a lot of swing, slow swing speed players prefer because they feel better and and they sound more or less like a rock to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this, by eliminating that, we believe we're opening up a tremendous area of innovation to help the slowest swing speed players get a little more velocity uh, because that's what's holding them back right now is this IV standard. When the USGA does something like this, goes down this path, in the infrastructure of the USGA, John, I guess maybe I'm asking you again to predict, if, again, this comes to fruition, is it a timeline of a year, 18 months? Is it just something you can't quite put your hands around yet? No, it's it's nothing's going to happen this year. Nothing's going to happen next year. Uh, it's it's going to be several years. One of the things, back to the, the our process and, and trying to be transparent, we spent a lot of time visiting manufacturers last year. We got a really good handle on, on product cycles and whatnot. And it takes you know, two or three years to develop a golf ball from, from the drawing board to manufacturing. And we have to take that into account. So nothing's going to happen in the near term. I would, I would definitely not uh, advise your recreational listeners to go out and buy golf balls now because they're going to end up having them for several years before they'll they'll need them. So th- there's no need to stock up. Yeah. He is uh, John Spitzer. He is the Senior Managing Director, Equipment Standards with the United States Golf Association. I mentioned in the beginning we kind of got you to do this at the last minute after the announcement. John, thank you. Thank you for explaining this again to the folks who, who don't hit at 340 and don't shoot 63. Um, I appreciate Appreciate it, John, and I hope we talk again. Well, that would be my pleasure. I appreciate it uh, being on and being invited. So thanks, John.